What's up, what's up, what's up? Welcome back to GMs for Hire. My name is Will Paulson, along with the same boys as always, Matt, RJ, and Jamil. We are here to bring you uh, some new news that we have gotten throughout the league. And there are two topics that are really kind of uh, hot topics for debate when it comes to uh, Major League Sports right now. Um, one pertaining to Major League Baseball and one pertaining to the National Football League. And we're going to start with the MLB. We're going to start with the video that surfaced of Blake Snell. Uh, I want to say he was streaming during like a gaming. Uh, he was like on his on Twitch, Twitch channel. Yeah, to, on his Twitch channel, which he's big for. He's probably one of the more prominent Twitch um, streamers in the MLB community. And he mentioned that he will not play for uh, the, uh, like a, a pay cut. He said he wants to get his, um, re, you know, re, pre, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Like talking about his money. He wants to get his money and he won't play for something else. And he broke it down because now that the owners want them to take a 50% pay cut for the shortened season, they uh, and then Blake Snell's talking about a 33% cut for that as well because he's going to have to pay his agent. And then on top of that, he's getting taxed. And I saw a video, I want to say it was um, by either Giraffe Neck Mark or Fuzzy, and they were talking about how a $10 million contract like JT Real Muto or Blake Snell has in this system, being as prorated as it is, is coming out to less than a million dollars a season. It's about $972,000 for this 82-game season. That's a significant pay cut when you're looking at $10 million compared to $972,000. Um, I'm going to start with Jamil. Jamil, what, off of Blake Snell's comments, you know, saying he's not going to play unless he gets his money um, and, and just seems like he doesn't want to budge or anything like that. What are your opinions on this? Where, where are you standing? Uh, honestly, I'm kind of with the players in, in this scenario, but it's not not to the full extent where Blake's saying, you know, I got to get mine to the point where like he might not play if a season happens, therefore screwing the Rays. But I'm with the players to the extent that they already had a deal in place with the owners. And now that they realize they're not going to get money from fans being in the games, they want the players to come back and take more of a pay cut. And to me, the players really can't afford to do that because the players need to take a stand on this right now because they fall for this right now. That means in the future, they're going to be looked at to do different things to compensate for the owners. So I feel like right now the players need to stand their ground and fight for what's theirs for things in the future. I think that's fair. Uh, it's it's interesting uh, to hear people say that they're with the players. It, it is a it almost seems like a very controversial debate. A lot of people tend to side with the owners just because like the common person wants to see baseball happen again. They want to see um, everybody get back out there. I'll turn to Matt. Matt, whenever um, you're taking that significant of a pay cut, and Blake Snell basically saying he wants to get his money, like, and he doesn't seem like he's gonna budge. Like, he desperately, like, he really does not seem like he's moving at all. Do you think that kind of may like ruin the reputation of Blake Snell? Let's say that the the players and the owners come to an agreement, and now Blake Snell can't get his full money, like, and he doesn't play. Is he gonna play for the cut? He says he's not playing unless he gets his, like. What, what do you think that'll do to some players and some teams? You know, I don't think that makes Blake Snell look bad in the slightest. I think we're, we're all baseball fans here, and, you know, we can't be selfish. Everyone wants baseball back, but at the same time, these this is their livelihood. You know, these are their jobs. You know, you got to think about it personally. If you were going into a job and they were telling you, oh, you got to take at least 50% off and violate all these potential safety hazards to go do that, you know, factoring all that in, I mean, you're not going to be very happy, you know, and, I, and you can see, 
uh, how Blake Snell wouldn't be happy missing out on that. And I, I have no doubt that he loves the game of baseball. You know, he's put so much time and effort into it, and that's gotten to where, to where he is today. But, you know, if you're, if you're in Blake Snell's shoes, you're not taking the pay cut. That, that's your livelihood, and you're not going to let someone take that away from you. Now, Matt mentioned the, the, that, he, that Blake Snell loves baseball, and I'll turn to you, RJ. Uh, the, the main preface that started that video was that Blake Snell said, oh, you guys are saying you should play for the love of the game. You should go out there just for the love of baseball. And that's when he was basically like a theoretical middle finger to everybody. He was looking like, hey, man, that's not going to happen. Like, I, I get I love the game, but it's not that at all. Um, do, do you think that he should t- he should be out there just for the love of the game? Do you think that baseball needs to come back? Or what's, what's, what's your stance on the whole Blake Snell situation? I mean, yeah, I'm, I'm not saying that he should play for free. Hell no. But the way you broke his contract down, the guy would still be making, you know, just about a million dollars. Now, he might have, you know, planned to make $10 million this year. Well, everybody planned on playing 162 games. The owners planned on making money from fans and jersey sales and everything else this year. Things change. It happens. Get over it. This is an unprecedented time. Nobody saw this coming. The owners definitely didn't see this coming. You think the owners would have went out there and spent billions of dollars in free agent contracts knowing that they're about to take a loss for this season because there's not going to be any fans in the stands and now they're only going to get half the games played? No, Blake Snell, I, I agree. He doesn't need to go out there and just play for the love of the game. But I don't care. If you're making $100, literally $100, to play a baseball game, you have it made. I don't care what anybody says. He could be out here waiting tables. He could be driving an Uber. He could be doing whatever. Millions of people have been affected by this virus and have been out of work. The owners are putting a plan in place that would put the players back to work and back out there doing the game that they love. As Blake Snell says, he apparently loves the game. He can show it. Go out there, play for whatever the pay cut is. Now, don't get disrespected. You know, I understand what Jamil's saying, how in the future it looks like you can be taken advantage of and the owners may want you to do this and do that and do that. That It happens. In unprecedented times, unprecedented things have to happen. And if Blake Snell's not willing to take a pay cut, if I'm the owners, this is where I stand up and I say, okay, the tail doesn't wag the dog. We run the show here. All right. There's plenty of minor league players out there that would kill, kill for an opportunity to play in the major leagues this year. Start calling some of them boys up. On the field may not be to the level that we want it to be as baseball fans. But if I'm the owner, I'm not letting somebody else dictate my show. I run the team. My players are going to play. If you don't want to play, step aside. I've got plenty of young pitchers down in Durham that'll come up and take your spot. Okay. RJ. So. I appreciate the aggression. It was good. It was very passionate. I liked it. I enjoyed it. But what you're telling me is if you're the owner, if you're, if you're Stu Sternberg of the Rays, you're going to be cool with uh, letting a former Cy Young winner go to wherever and replace him with a minor leaguer? Yeah, if he's not going to play. I have to do what's best. I have to make a business decision. And I'm not about to let my whole ship sink because one person doesn't want to get on the life raft. Well, you have to remember that it's not just one person. It, it, Blake Snell's not alone, and there are many um, major leaguers that do agree and just haven't spoken out as much. Uh, most notably, Bryce Harper has spoken out about it, yeah. and with his contract, you know that money's important. 
So that being said, I don't think an owner would be in any place to tell a player that because the players run the show in the sense that the players play the game. The owners don't play the game. The players and the they're selling out crowds and selling merchandise and stuff like that. It's the players. So I don't think the owners have any right to do that, especially since owners wouldn't be violating uh, safety hazards would be the play. Uh, I don't want to hear Bryce Harper talk about money for shit. That man's making bank. Yeah, I mean, well, even I if even if his contract gets cut to like less than ten percent, that man's still making well no, more but, money than me. <laughs> well, you look at it, and you know Harper earned that contract. You don't think he deserves that? You don't no, think- I'm saying he he definitely earned the contract. I mean, he bought right. out and, and with Washington, and he signed for that money. I mean, so he shouldn't have to play for less. That that's my that's my point. If you're RJ, if you're Blake Snow, are you are you seriously taking a cut of money that you earned? You're losing out on significant money. Everybody's taking the cut. It's not just Blake Snow. It's not just Bryce Harper. If you're it's any MLB world, player, why are you taking the cut? Has been affected by this. Not just some little whiny. This isn't about the world. The this is world. world. And if he can't take a pay cut, that's his problem. And that's going to make him look bad. So he's, he, he's already got to put his safety in danger. You're, you want him to put his bank account in danger, too? Hold on. Hold on. No, 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 no. Hold on. Hold on. You want to talk about safety? How old is Blake Snell? I didn't look this up. How old is Blake Snell? It's like 27. 20. 20. How many healthy, athletic 27-year-olds are dying from this flu virus? Please tell me. I'd love to know. I don't know. I mean, none are, but but he he preferenced that in this video. He was talking about how it's not that that he's worried about himself necessarily catching the disease and fighting off. He's worried about catching it and not knowing he caught it and passing it on to someone and then them getting sick and he mentioned dying and he would have to live with that. They're being they're going to be quarantined. Part of what the deal was is they were going to be away in hotels having to, you know, stay quarantined away from everybody else during the season to me that's the bigger issue is you're going to be asking these players to be away from their families and not be able to see them for what six months until the season's over and then they would have to do another 14-day quarantine before they were allowed to go back home and see their family that's the bigger deal not little baby you know wine ass blake snell having to take a little pay cut i'm not worried about that it's being away from the family for six months to me is the bigger deal my thing is, is that players will sign for something like this. Like, I want to say Blake Snell was set to make about $10 million this year because he signed that five-year $50 million after he won the Cy Young. And he was set to make $10 million this year. Even after that, you're still going to get taxed, and you're still going to have to take that 33% cut for your agent. So you're not making anywhere close to $10 million. Like, you're not going to hit it. With Florida tax and then also having to give 33% of your contract to your agent, like, you're not going to have – to like you're not going to have anywhere near that 10 million and to take a pay cut you're going to have to cut it in half that's great but you're only playing half the games like i that's just called prorating that's just a ratio you play 162 you get 10 million if you play 82 you get 5 million that should be how it is and whenever you break it down then you're still going to have to pay your agent that's still a thing and he's still going to get 33% but now he's that agent's not making nearly as much money as he was because you're taking 33% of 5 million as opposed to 33% of 10 like Whenever you look at it, he's making less money, so it's being taxed less. So I don't understand where he's coming from with that. I mean, yes, it's a shitty contract, and it, and it's going to work out poorly. But this doesn't 
affect somebody like Blake Snell, who's signed for four years. I mean, this man is locked down in the Tampa Bay organization. I, whenever I think about it, something, think about people in contract years who could be playing for, you know, the like 50 grand this year. They could be playing for literally no money and then they could get hurt. And the next thing you know, they don't have a team. There's people who get hurt and then just don't make it back because they're not the same. And some people like that, I could see them not wanting to risk an injury in a shorter season and playing for such a significantly lower amount of money. But whenever it's somebody like Blake Snell, Blake Snell's locked in in Tampa. He's he literally just signed that deal. He's not going anywhere. I mean, knowing the race, he's going somewhere, probably Seattle. But like he's not going anywhere theoretically. He's signed with the team. And so I don't get what he's complaining about. Like, yes, it's less money. I get it. And $972,000 is a lot of money, but that's a lot of money to us because we don't have millions of dollars. Like, he's the he's the millionaire, so he lives his lavish lifestyle with his fucking shit ton thousand dollar gaming set and his fucking luxury cars and his nice house. I'm sure he's got. But, like, it's different for us because we don't have that kind of money. And, like, but it still shouldn't affect the way, like, I, I don't see how, if I'm making a million dollars, I'm going out and playing. Like, that's good enough for me. I don't understand where where the where the line is. I don't know what kind of number Blake still needs to get to be out there. If he's not budging from ten million, I'm I'm right there with RJ. I'm saying fuck you, dude, and I'm kicking you right off the ship. I'm I'm moving on. I'm gonna say what what the hell you mean you're not moving for ten million? I was like you're only playing half these games. How the hell am I gonna pay pay you ten million dollars to play eighty games? Exactly. Like, you can kiss my ass, like from a business standpoint. How are you disappointed? I'm exactly disappointed. That's you're exactly disappointed because you're a Yankees fan and you guys pay $30 million to players who play 40 games in a season. <laughs> yeah, Fact. Yankees fan or not, it really doesn't matter whether someone's making a dollar or a million dollars, they should get what they deserve. And if you sign to a contract that a team gave you, you deserve that contract by, by the piece of paper that you signed. I, with. Hold on. I agree, Matt. I agree. And you earn a contract, you deserve your contract. But this is a completely different scenario here. This isn't somebody holding out because they want a new contract or anything like that. This is a global pandemic that has changed the world. And under these extreme circumstances, you got to make changes. Don't hold out like this for $10 million. Get out of here with that. That's garbage. Unfortunately, unfortunately something. See, here's my thing, though. The, there's, you can't convince me that the owners don't have the money to pay the players what both parties agreed to. That's my thing, is that it's not like Blake Snell's asking for his whole contract. He's asking just to get what the players and the owners agreed to a week ago, or two weeks ago. Which is fair. I, I, I can see why that if you had something in place and then you guys all agree to it, and then you go and change something, I can see why why you'd be irritated. But I'm... But the, the, I think it was just the way he worded it. I think it, his wordplay was just because just he, he was fired up. And I, whenever oh, yeah. he said, the way he made it sound, sound like he's just not playing no matter what. Whenever he was like, I'm going to get mine. I'm not leaving if, unless I get mine. And if I get the Rona and I do all this, and he just like, he just seemed all fired up. He was like, I'm risking my life. And I'm sorry, but like, yeah, you I mean, risk I mean, your life every single day. I think a lot of people that, that reacted to, to him on Twitch also didn't understand the full landscape of what was happening. I don't think they understand that he's not asking for his whole contract for you. He's just asking for what was agreed upon. It's fair. And and I think that a lot of people don't see that because they, like, like again, it was just worded poorly. Like, I think Blake Snell was just coming at it from an emotional standpoint, not much of, like, a, 
like a thought, like a thought out standpoint where he's just like, come on, man. He just saw everybody probably just spamming him on comments being like, just yeah, play the game. Or something. Right. Like, I, and I can, I can imagine where seeing the same thing over and over again would get you an emotional point. But like it, it, the way he worded it was very poor and it comes off very wrong. And that's why it's such a hot topic because everybody's sitting there going like, what the fuck, Blake Snell? I was like, we thought you were cool. We thought you'd be out there. We thought you'd be playing, you know, you just want to sign young a couple years ago at the age of like 25. Like, get out there. Like, you just earned your contract, and now you're getting paid, and now you're like, nope, I'm not going to come out and play. Like, that just seems, like, bogus. Like, and it, and it's just – it's mainly just because of the way he worded it. Like, it just sounded really shitty. But, I mean, maybe it was just me. I saw I saw Charlie Blackman, and I posted this on my Snapchat story when I saw it. Charlie Blackman said, America needs baseball. And I was like, that's the kind of spirit I need. I was like, I need Chuck Nasty out here. But then again, he looks like a guy who would just, like – He'd take 30 bucks and he'd be like, whatever, I'm playing baseball. Like, he just seems like that kind of guy. But That's not true, though. Like, the, even that. Like, players aren't going to, you know, it's it's just, it's ridiculous. It's not realistic to expect players, to expect human beings that need money to live. They have a standard of living. And although they make significantly more than you know, people See, like I don't even hear about a standard of living because there's people that are out here losing their jobs and there's people out here that are working in hospitals and things like that. So I don't agree with, with that part, but I do agree that the, that the players need to fight for what the players need to fight for their rights to me. Cause if they, if they let the owners do this, I feel like it's just going to lead to bigger fights down the line that could possibly lead to another lockout. Yeah. That's standard of living. You can take that somewhere else. Yeah. I don't, I don't understand where, where, like, because to me, like, you don't need to live that lavishly. And I was just talking to somebody else. If you're gone, whenever spring training starts in March, and let's say that you're going, let's say your team goes to the World Series all the way in October, you're gone. That's month three to month 10. You're gone seven months out of the year. What the fuck you need such a nice house for? Like, calm the fuck down. Go live in some, like, rural apartment. Like, get the hell out of my face. Like, I don't, I don't need all that. So you expect, you know, just because of this temporary matter, you expect players that have developed a standard of living, you know, living in nice houses and, and, and things just to, you know, sell their houses and, and downgrade. I mean, they have things to keep up on. Hey, I, I promise you, Blake money Snell, not spending it all. I can no. promise you if Blake Snell sells his house, he'll make his $10 million this year. You can't expect players to do that. That's ridiculous. That gets no, into a personal... Back. There's no, but there's a fine line between sports and a per, and personal, and you know this is crossing. Yeah, but here's the thing: they wouldn't have this personal life without sports. Yeah. So yes, with the See, I don't think I don't think this is between sports and personal. I think this whole thing is between um just fairness, like what what they agreed upon. That's yeah. that's to me that the whole premise is the players feel slighted by the owners, I'm just and saying, they know the owners have the money to pay to them what they agreed upon. And the owners realizing they're not going to get the extra money from revenue are trying to back out so they can stay in the green. Yeah, this standard of living, God forbid Blake Snell doesn't eat at Ruth Chris on Friday night. He has to go to Outback instead. Don't give me that hmm. bullshit, okay? No. His standard of living can change. Millions of Americans' standards of living have all, have had to change also. Blake Snell can be one of them. Get out of here with that. I'm not discussing takeout. I'm discussing a house, you know, a family. You're discussing the standard. Of I living. think I think most of the players are well off to the point where they save their money, where they're not going to have to sell their houses because of one season where they got paid fifty exactly. percent of what yeah. they're supposed to make. And, and, and if and if you can't afford to pay for your house on a 
if you can't afford to pay for your house on a pro-rated contract, I don't think any professional athletes living paycheck to paycheck. No, it's just a thought. Well, it's wrong. If <laughs> if if you're living if you're living paycheck to paycheck as a professional athlete, especially oh somebody set like Blake Snell, averaging you know signing a contract ten million dollars a year, if you're living paycheck to paycheck, you fucked up your finances somehow. You went wrong somewhere in that equation. You bought too many cars or too many Fortnite skins. I don't know what the fuck he's doing, but did you know? Like, so we not got, So we got like you didn't just hear RJ. <laughs> no, I heard RJ. <laughs> I can't say I didn't he hear. Said, well, you're wrong. He said, well, you're fucking no. <laughs> but no, like, man, you don't need just because this is your, this is how you live now. Like, that doesn't mean fucking like that you need to live that way for your whole life. Like, I can promise you that there are some NFL athletes who went out, bought cars, bought houses, bought all this shit with their bonus money, and now they're bankrupt. Like. And, and just because now they're bankrupt and spend all their money, do they deserve to keep their big fucking house and their shiny cars? Like, no. Like, you're you're a fucking tax-paying American like the rest of us. It's just that you pay more taxes because you make way more money than the rest of us. Like, yep. sorry, buddy, but that's how life is. That sucks to suck. But Speaking hey. of the NFL. <laughs> but, yeah, hey, speaking of the NFL, you know, uh, going on to that, uh, there was an interesting – uh, rule appraisal, I think it was. I, I want to say it was being thrown around in the NFL that uh, teams would be compensated with draft picks if they hire a minority GM or head coach. And from Jamil's face, you can tell the Stephen A. Smith rant that's brewing in his head. And so I don't even want to explain past that. Jamil King, you have the floor. Feel free to take us where your mind's at right now. You know, I really, really, really don't understand this rule. Obviously, I'm a minority. Obviously, I want more minorities to be coaches and front office people in the NFL. But this right here is not it. I really don't understand what what they're thinking here. Um, I think Anthony Lynn, one of the minority head coaches in the NFL 104, he said, he quoted and said, sometimes you can do the wrong thing while trying to do the right thing. And I think that perfectly explains this rule. You know, obviously it's a crime that there's only three black coaches and one Hispanic coach in the NFL. There should be more considering most of the players that come and play are minorities. So you think you would think they can come out, they know the game and they can coach. But um, it seems like some some aren't getting the fair chance and some just aren't deserving. And I, I think this rule, I don't see how it's going to help. I don't understand how we got to the point where in America it's like, oh, you know, minority coaches can't 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 get hired. So you know what? We'll, we'll start throwing draft picks that their way. Maybe that will get them to to become coaches. And I just don't think that's the reason because now we're going to see people get hired for the wrong reasons. And on top of that, now a team that's tanking, they can say, hmm, you know what? We need some extra draft capital. Let's go pick up the African American coach. Keep him for about two years. We'll get our draft picks up. And you know what? We're ready to compete. He's gone. You know, that that's what teams might do, sadly. And I, I think that that's just going to be really sad. Um, now, another part of the rule is if you hire an African-American quarterback coach, not Afri not just African-American, any minority um, quarterback coach, you can go ahead and get another pick on top of that. And, you know, that's just crazy to me. You know, there's only two African-American quarterback coaches in the league right now in L.A. and in, um, <clears throat> and in Indianapolis and Pep Hamilton and Marcus Brady. Um, Byron Leftwich is an offensive coordinator in Tampa, and those are the only three offensive coaches we see in the in the NFL that are minorities. And you know, it's oftentimes we see these coaches are pushed towards the defensive side of the ball, 
And um, this just – I really don't understand this rule. I really want to see what you guys have to say. No, I mean, Mike Tomlin, Anthony Lynn, Brian Flores, and Ron Rivera, I'm assuming, is who's considered the Spanish coach yes. in the NFL. Um, I didn't know that he was Spanish. I knew his last name was Rivera, but I didn't know he was actually Spanish. Um, but, yeah, those are the four considered minority uh, coaches in the NFL. This is the the four remaining in there. I know there have been more in the past. Marvin Lewis, Hugh Jackson. Hugh Jackson was just throwing the fucking shit end of the Browns quarterback carousel. But, um no, I, I don't see where the NFL even came up for this. And I saw this on Twitter or an ESPN alert or something like that. And it's like, I had to do, I had to do a double take. I did not believe that this is actually what it said. I was like, there is no fucking way the NFL is actually sitting here being like, hey, man, you just hire a black guy, we'll give you a pick. Like, what the fuck is that? Like, you know, there's there's plenty of people out there who are could be coaches and are completely eligible no matter if they're minority or if they're white or whatever the hell it is why does it have to be like why does it have to be a incentive it almost seems more racist doing it that way and similar to what it does yeah and it's similar to what anthony lynn said and what jamil said quoting him it it's the the wrong thing doing trying to do the right thing like it it does not seem like they went about it the right way like I completely understand wanting to get more minority coaching staff in the NFL because there is a lack. Um, and then there's, um, you know, as similar to you said, three offensive, um, three offensive coaches, two being quarterback and one offensive coordinator um, who are minorities, four head coaches. And then I, I don't know what defensive, I'm sure the defensive numbers yeah, are a little bit better. Like I said, most, most African-American and minority coaches happen to coach defense. Right. And then I know there's only one. Is is there still only one woman coach in Katie Sowers? Like there there is there's the the, that's that's a terrible um, brain fart there. The Niners have one and the Bucks have have two working on staff. There you go. So so only three women, four minority uh, head coaches, three minority offensive coaches. It's it's kind of insane, especially when you see like. Not to be stereotypical, but whenever you see the breakdown of players in the NFL, there, there is a heavy influence of African-Americans. And you would think that, you know, it, it would make sense, at least in my opinion. I would think to to hire some to, you know, train their own. You know, I mean, it's not to say that white people can't coach black people or black people can't coach white people, but there definitely should be a little bit of more of a spread. Um, it just seems that way with a lot of coaching staffs. Like, I, I, I can't name a black... Uh, other than Dusty Baker and Ron Washington, like I can't name a black MLB coach right now. Lloyd McClellan or whatever, however you pronounce it. He I can't even pronounce his name. <laughs> well, he's been with quite a few teams though: Mariners, Reds, Pirates. I didn't even I didn't even know that guy existed. Lloyd, Lloyd McClendon, I believe it is. Yeah, sure. Yeah, and there's a couple of bench coaches here and there, but for the most part, you don't see a lot of African Americans being coaches in baseball. Either. In baseball, it's old white guys. That's all it is. Yeah, baseball and football is predominantly ran by. by older but to be white, fair, white whenever men. you look at it now, it seems like the. I mean, it was old white guys in the NFL, and now it's young white guys. That's all it is. The new trend is getting that young white guy. It, it's there's Cliff Kingsbury, there's Mike Shanahan, there's Matt Nagy, and there's. Uh, you know uh, what part of what part guy. of the problem is to me? Not to cut you off, Will, is no. that it seems like in the NFL and 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 even college too. It seems like you you have to go through the hierarchy. You have to. You have to start as the GA, then you're the positional coach, then you're taking on two jobs, being a positional coach and OC, then you're full OC, then you're the head coach. You know, Lynn was saying that that maybe these guys should start getting looked at when you're just the 
maybe you're a receivers coach, just like how Joe Brady just got picked up at not Joe Brady, just how um the Giants' new head coach. No. That how he he was the special teams coach in in New, in New England. Now he's a head coach. So it seems like you know maybe maybe you don't have to be a coordinator. Maybe maybe you're just not getting all the opportunities, but you have the brain and you have the communication and you have the leadership abilities to coach, but you just haven't gotten that fair shake. I feel like that's part of the problem. I mean, it's fair. It seems like whenever new coaches get brought in, it's either a college coach or it's a coordinator of another team. You never hear that like the top coaching candidate is the running backs coach of the, you know, of like the giants because Saquon Barkley is a freaking animal. Like you got to think that they're got to be doing something right too. I mean, it's not it's not always a hundred percent just the players. I mean, yes, the players are out there performing, but they're learning from somebody. I mean, uh, Matt and RJ need one of your guys' takes as well. What are you What are you looking at this? What's your standpoint? I I go about it a little different here. Um, yeah, we we definitely need more minority coaches uh, in the NFL because of the breakdown of the demographic of the players who are playing in the NFL, it does seem crazy that we have a disconnect between the demographic of the players and the demographic of the coaches. I don't see how it can be that far off. Uh, on the other side, though, these, own, these NFL owners are egotistical billionaires. You cannot tell me that these owners are going to sit back on their million dollar yachts and, you know, in their lavish houses and say, you know what, this is the best guy for the job, but he's black. So I don't want him. I'm going to get this white guy instead. I just, I understand racism still exists and it's always going to exist because human nature is to find differences between us. Um, but you, you're going to have a hard time convincing me that these billionaire owners are going out of their way to be racist and only hire white coaches. I really think it just so happens that maybe black coaches and other minority coaches just need to stay in it longer and get more experience and things like that. Because I would have a hard time saying that these owners aren't picking the most qualified person for the job. And I know the big problem here, or the, the, the big one that's kind of speeding this conversation up, is how Eric Bieniemy, the offensive coordinator from the Kansas City Chiefs, can't land a head coaching job. But meanwhile, the special teams guy out in New England is now the head coach for the Giants. That is weird. We do see weird hires like that. But I, I would just find it really hard to believe that these billionaire owners are going to sit back and go against who they believe is actually the best candidate for the job and who is going to win them games and make them money. Because at the end of the day, those billionaire owners want to go to their billionaire parties and be able to brag about how their NFL team is winning this many games or, oh, hey, we just won a Super Bowl. Hey, this, this, this. I don't think they're purposely being racist. I think it's a, it's a thing that it, it, it's going to grow. I think right now it looks bad with only four minority coaches, but I just think as time goes on, as the demographic of players change and more players transition into coaching, I think one day we're going to get to a point where it is closer to 50-50, and I don't think we need some little bogus rule that's going to help your draft pick to, to facilitate this. I think it has to happen organically, and I think it will happen organically. Uh, pushing it like this, putting rules in place where you can move up six spots, 
for hiring a uh, minority coach or moving up 10 spots for hiring a minority GM. That's a joke to me. That it, It's a sideshow. And like you said, with the rebuilding teams, all it's going to do is those rebuilding teams are going to hire the black coaches and then they're still going to lose a bunch of games. And now that black coach is tainted good because he's going to go out there wanting to get another job with a career record of seven and 31. Well, wait a minute. Now he is not qualified because his record is seven and 31 because a tanking team wanted a better draft pick. So no, this, this all around makes absolutely no sense. And I would be absolutely shocked if the owners voted for this to be a real thing. Matt. Well, um, in my opinion, I'd say it's all about perspective. Now, I, I do personally think it's a pretty bizarre proposal. And I don't think there's any place in sports for hiring people on purpose based on minority. I mean, based on uh, race. Sorry. But, you know, if it does go through, which I, don't, I personally don't think it will. Uh, I don't think the owners would let that fly. It would mess with success. It would mess with, you know, it tainted goods. RJ made a great point there. But, you know, to play devil's advocate here, um, it could be good strategically for teams. You know, you put, you put a minority coach in a, as minor of a spot as possible, just like a quarterback coach, just to get enough for just whatever it takes to get that draft pick. And, you know, a team like the Matt, Patriots, before you go on, you say quarterback's coach. It's talking about a head coach or a GM. Those are the only two spots. Those are the only two spots. If I'm not mistaken, then why were we mentioning quarterback coaches prior? Because that's all that they are. If you if, if you keep a quarterback coach, you can. Th- there's picks involved with that too. Oh, it's if you keep them for like a certain like one year, yeah, after year after year. It's the same with the coach. Like if you hold on to them, or if one of your if your like one of your assistants gets hired, you can get a pick back too. Okay, right, well, that's, that's, my that's what I'm saying. Um, yeah, so I'd say putting them in a spot like that that could help a team like. I mean, the Patriots currently don't have a quarterback, technically. Uh, so, and the, and you know, the whole tanking for Trevor Lawrence thing could become a reality for several teams. I know in the past, RJ's mentioned the Jaguars doing something like that, and I think that could work don't perfectly. Sign. What? I said, don't sign. If you if you go to Jacksonville, don't sign. Just don't oh, go. Right. Uh, yeah. If if you want to stay away from London, don't don't sign with the Jags. But. You know, it, it it's not a half bad idea for some teams, and you know this is purely hypothetical, of course, um, because I I don't think it'll go through. RJ, don't blow a gasket on me now, but you know I don't think it'll go through. But I do think if it does somehow by some kind of miracle, it could present a nice little bit of strategy for the front office. It is now a strategic. It, it's a strategic move to hire a black guy. Listen, I had to put yeah, Perry's the, per, can we mute him? Can we mute him? Is one mute him? Okay. Banned. Right Listen, there. Someone has to play the other side. No, no, you don't have to. You have to. You have to bring no, a different no. perspective you, to the You team. don't and have Max, to. Max Kellerman and Stephen A. agree on some things. Come on. <laughs> not, not always. Or anyways, not, now, that right, Matt says, always, now that but, Matt says that don't GMs are going to be playing chess with African-American coaches, um, RJ, but <laughs> – like how you were saying, I I actually do agree with you. I don't, I don't think the owners are sitting there and saying, I think that white guy's – yeah, I think the black guy's good, but no, 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 he's black. We don't want him. I think that, that part of the problem is this Rooney rule where you have to interview at least one African-American. I think some teams are doing it, and then after that, they're not 
they're they're saying, oh, we we interviewed our one African American, we don't need to do another one. I feel like that's where some African American coaches that that there's multiple good ones on the market. Some some teams aren't interviewing all of them, and because you can see people are getting interviewed, so you, you can see that some are getting slided a little bit. Where it's one African American getting interviewed, the Rooney was over, then that team doesn't bring in another one. I think that's part of the problem right there. And I think the main thing is the Rooney rule needs to be adjusted, but this just isn't the way that the the adjustment should be made. I don't know what all names are being thrown around, but I mean, if, if it's a rule to where you have to interview one African-American coach, what are the odds that some people are just bringing in somebody like Hugh Jackson? who's got oh, yeah, like that, that's, the now. that's the Rooney rule. You have to bring in one minority coach to interview. And then right. after that, you filled the quota to interview. Now, if that's the interview process, if you have to bring in one, who's to say that these general managers aren't bringing in somebody like Hugh Jackson, who has a three and 31 record, and then you could just get away by saying, oh, he's got one of the worst records in the NFL history. Of course, we're not going to bring him in. No, you know, like who's to say that's not who's to say that's not happening? No, I, I 100% believe it is. I disagree with the Rooney rule 100%. If you're an owner and you're looking for a head coach and you have a specific guy in mind, why can't you just go interview your guy? If the interview goes well, hire him. These fake interviews to fill some quota is is not good, and it doesn't help, and it obviously doesn't promote the growth because, like, we have four minority head coaches. If you interview just the best guys, just interview the best guys. Like, I, I don't want to fill some quota because somebody said I have to interview this black guy because now – we're going to have these fake interviews that have been going on where, oh, we took care of, we interviewed him, no no big deal. He's not going to get the job. We like this guy instead. Don't give that guy a fake interview just to give it to him. If, if hypothetically, I think Bruce Arians, when the Bucks hired Bruce Arians, he was by far the best head coaching candidate on the market. Why should the Bucks waste time interviewing anybody else if they know they wanted Bruce Arians. The GM already had a relationship with Bruce Arians. He knows that's his guy. Why should they have to conduct a fake interview with someone they're not going to hire? They already know who they want. Just let them go get who they want. It's a fair point. I mean, it's it, it's it's. I guess it's kind of nice in a way to have the Rooney Rule to where you're making sure yeah. that African Americans are getting interviewed and you're making sure that they are at least getting an opportunity. But I mean, it. it I, some some situations really do like they they know the coach they're going with. Like I'm sure the Bucks knew Bruce Arians was going to be coming to Tampa. Like, what, yeah. and what's the point of slowing down that process? I, I mean, I could I could see both sides of the Rooney Rule argument. But I, this whole situation offering draft picks compensation for Afri- hiring of African-American coaches, that's the argument I don't understand. That's where, I, that's where I'm confused. I'm like, why would you – why does it have to be an incentive to bring in a, a minority coach? Why can't we just say, hey, this is the best person for the job or this is – there's a situation where the offensive coordinator for the Kansas City Chiefs, that team puts up 50-something-plus points a game – that guy should have a head coaching job. Yeah, I really and don't. I, that's really blasphemy that he doesn't have a job. I really don't understand that one. See, yeah. that one doesn't make sense. How the how the special teams coach of the New England Patriots got a job before him, I'm yeah. not sure. That one's confusing. But like in in some cases, like similar to what RJ said, Bruce Arians at the time was probably the best guy for the job. And why oh, yeah. not go get him? And you know? at that time, the Bucks interviewed Chris Richard, who's the, who was the defensive coordinator and, and secondary coach for the for the Cowboys. And I'm pretty sure he inter- he interviewed at, with three or four different teams too. So he 
he had to go around taking all these interviews. And I wonder in the back of his mind, if like, he knew like going in the one, like, you know, I'm probably not going to get this job and I'm, I'm just the Rooney rule guy. I wonder how many coaches, how, when they get that call, that are they even excited? Like, Hey honey, I, we might get a job here. I'm like, no, nah, I'm going, I'm going to uh, Detroit. You know, I'd be the one black guy getting interviewed. Yeah. Right. I agree. I mean, there were there were links to Matt Patricia whenever uh, whenever they brought in their new head coach. There was links to um, there was links to Bruce Arians for Tampa Bay whenever they brought in their new head coach. I mean, there's been links everywhere. I mean, now somebody like I, I want to say like Matt Rule for the Carolina Panthers. I don't think he was brought up much. I mean, I RJ, you're a Panthers fan, aren't you? So, or at least you follow him a little bit, maybe. I see some Panthers gear in the back. That's why I say that. But like, I, I don't know if was were, was Matt Rule's name ever thrown around. Was that like a hot candidate that was known to be out there? And yeah, I hey, I'm from Charlotte, North Carolina. I'm a big Panthers fan. I know I'm wearing this Buck shirt, but I love Panthers. Uh, Matt Rule, he kind of came out of left field. He interviewed with the Giants and I think a couple other teams before Carolina hired him. Uh, I, <laughs> the Jets wanted him, but they wouldn't let him hire his own staff, apparently. Yeah, I don't Idiot. know where, where <laughs> his name got brought into this. Like, I, I don't know where Matt Rule came from. Uh, he came but, from Baylor. But yeah, he was not good. Yeah, I know he was, he's a good player developmental guy. That's why a lot of NFL teams were going after him. He was mentioned as a potential NFL head coach. He's, his name just kind of got thrown in there. Um, he did a great job, yeah, at Baylor. And uh, yeah, he like turned that programmer, but yeah, but um, relationships matter in the NFL. You mentioned with the Lions, they hired a bunch of Patriot guys, they're gonna go hire a Patriot coach. The Tennessee Titans, they've got a bunch of Patriot guys in their front office, they go hire Mike Vrabel. Relationships matter, they always matter. And you just, I think they just have to keep building relationships. And we'll, we'll get to a point where there's more diversity among head coaches. Oh, 100%. Um, but, but this this rule right here, this isn't the way to do it. There's been a lot of African-American coaches who have even done successful who didn't really seem to get much of a second opportunity. Like, the first person I can think of is Lovey Smith. And, like, he was he did phenomenal on the Bears, and he got a 10-6 and six record and then was let go, which was confusing. Uh, even though he just took the Bears to a uh, – was like one game short and it came down to game 17 to get a playoff spot. And he went out to Tampa, and then he didn't have the greatest record out in Tampa, and now all of a sudden they're just going to give up on him? Like, do we not succeed to see the success that he had in Chicago? Like, the, yep. the guy can obviously coach, and he's gone on to Illinois and – I mean, the, the University of Illinois, and that program's not exactly the greatest. They're in a really tough conference in the college football but he's hung around. I mean, he's he's still there. He's obviously good enough to keep. Like he, he's he's a decent coach, and why he never got another chance past Tampa Bay, like I'll never understand. Um, but I, I I don't know, Jamil. Jamil, yeah, you have like Jim Caldwell too. You know, he did he did a, a decent job in Indianapolis. Did his job in Detroit. You know, things didn't end the way they wanted to go places. But he was still a guy that you thought would be able to be a good coach, and he was a guy that was a popular. Um, interviewee, but he just never seemed to land another job. I can't see a world in which the offensive coordinator for the Chiefs can not get a job over people such as the special teams co- special teams coordinator for the New England Patriots and somebody like Adam Gase. Like I genuinely do not get. I really don't understand how Adam Gase got that second chance with, especially a team that the Jets. You played the Dolphins twice. You saw them twice a year. Right. You, said, you know what? That that's our guy. 
Right. You you saw how bad that team was, and the, the Jets still came to Miami and then had them come up to New Jersey, and they were like, yeah, that's what we need. That's the one. <laughs> we beat like, Boy Smart last year, but you know what? I just like what he did on that one third and 13 the third quarter. I, I just love the way he drew that play up. We got to bring him in. And with the Rooney rule, you had to bring in at least one black guy and one other person. You hired, mm-hmm. you went through three people and still went, yes, Adam I refused, And I refuse to believe that that they were like, man, that's Adam Gates. And that's our guy. We're just going to bring this other guy, though. But, but that, that that's our guy. I, I would take somebody with literally zero coaching experience before I took Adam Gates, but that's just me. Adam that, Gates and Jared Goff, greatest about, combination. About, though, where, where it's a white coach, where it seems like a lot of white coaches get second chances after they either failed or just weren't that good in their first stop. Yeah, I think that's imagine? the biggest difference is you won't see a minority coach get a second chance after a bad like I just said, if if that coach goes seven and thirty-one, they're tainted, like they're done. Like yeah. Hugh Jackson, is Hugh Jackson getting another coaching job? Probably no, not. Hugh Jackson was the off OC of Cincinnati did, and then did Jeff Fisher get a job. That's what I was just about to say. I was gonna mention Jeff Fisher. Did you see how long he hung around with the Rams? That boy was so bad. Jeff Fisher was awful. So horrible. And as soon as they get rid of him, they magically turn to a Super Bowl contender. Yeah, with the young white with guy. With his roster. <laughs> Fucking nuts. And but... I think one one thing I look at that, that I, I can see happening with black coaches is I feel like if black coaches start to slowly get their chance, it's like it's like with quarterbacks right now. You know, before the stigma was black quarterbacks, they're only, they're only runners, and they're not going to throw, they're not going to win you games. But slowly but surely, if you look around the league, African-American quarterbacks are slowly starting to become the best quarterbacks in the league, where you have guys like Dak Prescott, you have guys like Lamar Jackson, Patrick Mahomes, you know, these guys, Deshaun Watson. These guys are starting to, to slowly become great quarterbacks, and they're slowly starting to – become half the quarterbacks, starting quarterbacks in the NFL. Yeah, the NFL as a whole is not just a, a – it's not a – I should say the quarterback position is not just a white man's position anymore. It, it really is evolving, and, you know, people are showing how different skill sets can be used. I mean, there's there's white quarterbacks who can scramble too. It's not – Oh, yeah. It has, not, there, it has nothing to, to do with ethnicity, you know? Tre- Trevor Lawrence can run now. Yeah, I mean Josh Allen right now in the NFL. Josh yeah, Allen. Can Josh move. Allen's a bad boy, six five, running people over. He's like a he's like a, a less powerful Cam Newton. Right, like it, it's nuts. But I mean Andrew Luck, whenever he was in the league, he had a little bit of mobility to him. He he could move around a pocket. He could scramble if need be. But like, I I don't know. I don't I don't see. I'm kind of with RJ on this one to where I don't see how somebody could bring in these people and, and say that like, I'm not going to hire the best candidate and something like that and be like, well, let's just bring in our one black oh, yeah, guy I just for, yeah. That right there. But I, I don't see how hiring, like how offering an incentive can make anything better because like I, and I sure as shit, as everybody said, I don't see how this could get passed in the league. Like I, yeah, I, I think there's be a no way. There's no way. I mean, especially with how popular the NFL is like, that's, and that can only set, I'd imagine, a bad precedence for every other league in, in professional sports. Because you could go, like we mentioned, you could do the same exact thing in baseball. You want to go get some new minority coaches going around in baseball, you could go, Manfred could go and implement the same thing tomorrow. You know, and, and it's just something that could happen. And the fact that that's even being thrown around is asinine. It's, it's ridiculous. I, I don't understand. But... Any any closing thoughts on either one of those two topics? We'll go ahead and wrap it up here. I'm good. Yeah. I mean, yeah. you know, it's an it's an interesting time in the NFL. You know, the, 
one of the best quarterbacks or or uh, what's Mahomes light skin, and then Lamar Jackson's black. You got the last year's best running back was a white guy in Christian McCaffrey. You know, times are changing. In yeah, that boy seems he's a bad boy. That boy can play for me any day of the week. I'll tell you that right now. Yeah, he's <laughs> a I don't. I don't. Race should not take away from ability, and that's why. I oh think, no, hundred percent. But yeah, in the world we live in. Yeah, and that's why I think that you know I, I defended the I had a I played devil's advocate for it earlier, just because you know someone's got to cover it. But you, you know I don't think black or I mean minority coaches should really not deserve a chance. I mean, it's clear that they're held to a different standard. And I'm not I'm really not sure why. Especially considering football has seemingly, at least re- of recent decades, has been, you know, kind of led almost by the minority player. You know, a lot of the top players are minorities, most of them I would say. Uh probably besides quarterbacks and some maybe linemen. But you know, for the most part, I think, it, you know, there's definitely a spot for minorities in the game. There has been for years. I don't see why the coaching staff can't have the same same uh, positions, basically. Oh, yeah. I could honestly, I could go for hours and talk to you why some people aren't getting opportunities and some others aren't. But to, for me, at the end of the day, this rule just doesn't work. I think they were trying to modify the Rooney rule, but I don't think this is the modification. For me, I, I just want to see minority coaches get a fair shake at the job rather than than just being thrown an interview here and there. I, I want a legit. I want them to get legit chances to coach football. And I think that's where the four of us all stand. I think. I, I think all of us really do wish that. You know, we we. I don't think either of the four of us want to see an implementation to where we need to hire incentives to hire black coaches. Like we oh, just yeah. want to see. We just want to see the right guys get the right jobs. You know, it's like we're gonna sit here and we're we can personally like like Jamil said we could sit here and talk for hours about it. But like. There, there is no reason why somebody uh, such as the head coach is the, uh, or the, uh, sorry about that, offensive coordinator for the Kansas City Chiefs doesn't have a job when you see how successful they've been. And what the reasoning is behind that, we don't know. We're not in those office meetings. We're not in those head coach meetings. But, you know, uh, there's got to be something going on because there, there ain't no reason that man doesn't have a head. He's doing something right. And, and for some reason, I mean, Matt, Matt Nagy got a job in the same exact position. Matt Nagy got a job, and the, the offense was doing well out in Kansas City. Now this guy comes in, the offense does better, and that guy doesn't get a head coaching job? A little suspicious. But the reasoning for that, the NFL can speak for itself. We'll see if that rule gets implemented. We'll see if Blake Snell takes a cut on his money and actually plays in the MLB, or if we'll have an MLB season at all. Um, and that'll basically wrap it up for our, our two proposals here that are going on between both leagues. Uh, hopefully the NFL and the uh, MLB figure that out. Here sooner or later because uh we need more sports we finally have nascar but we need some more sports around the uh around the globe so hopefully we'll get to see a little bit of normalcy here and or normalcy whatever that word is and we'll hopefully get some sports back here soon but until then for matt rj and jamil i've been will paulson and this is gms for hire thank you guys for watching peace <laughs>